0: Say Happy Father's Day to you. That's like coming to church on a, on a holiday because you will hear Happy Father's Day 20 times before you leave today. Just think about how sad it is to have kids and not go to church. You only hear it like once or twice, right? I have two kids I hear it in the morning from my wife and my daughter, and my son will remember sometime around 8 p.m. tonight that it's Father's Day and say Happy Father's Day to me right before I go to bed. Uh, so, Anyways, uh, if you haven't met me, I'm Pastor Michael, I'm one of the, one of the two elders we have right now, uh, Pastor Mark, uh, we just uh, sent him off, uh, so he's he an active duty Navy chaplain he took off, so now it's the uh, the Michael and Trey show until we, until we get another elder, uh, so again, nice to meet you. Uh, last week, if you were here, I, I gave everybody a quick quick update, uh, my wife, uh, Audrey, uh, uh, had a surgery on Monday, I don't know want to report back to you that the surgery went very well. Uh, They released her from the hospital the next day, so she's back home convalescing. And and, uh, the doctor called me and said the surgery went wonderful, a little loss of blood, and uh, everything that was supposed to be done was done. And uh, so she's just moving really slow. So she kind of aged 30 years overnight, and it would probably take her. She's listening right now online. Uh, so we can, I can insult her and she cannot fight back. <laughs> and that being said, I want to introduce, this is Audrey's beautiful mother, Ms. Claudia. She is all the way from Jordan That's the nice thing about being a pastor too, but like there's so many people here that have family members here today and, and my family gets the shout out. <laughs> Hi other family members. Hi other family members. Yes, and welcome all the other moms yes. and dads and yes, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning. <laughs> it's good <laughs> to see you all. And uh, Anyway, so that being said, uh, it's Father's Day, and the one thing you all want to do is come to church and leave as quick as you can because you all have plans with each other. So what does Phil Church of Oceanside do? As they let the guy preach who is the longest preacher in all the churches. Why don't you get up there today? So I have a personal <laughs> challenge to not make this a miserable subject for you because ultimately I'll get off on a tangent and start telling uh, you know, some of the story, which I, I thoroughly enjoy myself. Then again, I enjoy my own company here. So I, I'm promising you no, I'm not going to make any problems I Pray for me that I just do this justice today, and you'll all be out here in a good time. Amen? Amen? Okay, with that being said, we are starting, if you look on the screen there, we already got the text question. If you could go back one, um, is the, our, our title uh, of the series we're getting into is called The Language of Faith. And what we want to do, uh, normally, uh, our church is, we like to go through books in the Bible. Right? So uh, we, we spent a good year and a half going through John and the letters of John. And we like to do that line by line approach. And the great advantage of that is, is we don't run into the bad habit of only preaching about things that we want to preach about. Right? There are certain things I think that are in my wheelhouse. There are, there are things that I like to study and read about. Uh, and so if we did topical all the time, you would just be hearing about what Michael Young likes to study in his free time. It like it's easiest for me. By going line by line, is uh, we're forced to consider the entire counsel of God. Amen? And it makes us run across passages that make us uncomfortable, right? Like, ah, oh, I don't want to read that right now. Like, no, like that. The word is there for us to learn these things. But what we, the idea, Pastor Trace and I were talking, and uh, we realized being a young, uh, you know, we're not a military church, but we are kind of a young military church. And there's a lot of words we use as Christians. Has anyone ever heard the term Christian? And it's these terms that Christians use, but they're not everyday words, right? Like, what are these guys talking about? And so Trace and I started jotting down words where it's like, well, some of these words may be apparent, but they actually mean something different in the Bible than maybe how we use them in real life. So, uh, I'll call attention to this: if you have a question, you can text to this number. Pastor Trace and I will come up at the end. So if you think uh, something can be clarified, or you have a question about anything, if you text that number, we'll come up and. Our best to tackle it. But today's word is, drum roll please, oh there you go, thanks Jerry, I knew somebody to bring that get Is uh, the word holy, right, has everybody heard this word before, Yes. all of us are na- uh, native English speakers here? So in Hebrew, let's see, you guys are smart, you know the word holy, so let's look at that. So that is the uh, transliterated Hebrew word, does anyone want to give a crack what that means, or how to say it? Kadosh, yes, we said that. All right, gonna, everybody said, "Yeah, okay, <clears throat> Yeah, that's the Hebrew word for holy, right? And so, what we want to do is we want to dive into this. We want to uh, talk about what it means biblically, right? Because I have a feeling that we're we're shortchanging this word in our, our Christianity. Amen. So that being said, let's pray really quick, and we will get started. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you uh, for this day. We thank you. Uh, we just thank you, Father you said, uh, is better to be a living dog than a dead lion." that any day on this side of the grave is a good day. You taught us in your word to say, this is the day the Lord has made. I shall rejoice and be glad in it. So we thank you, Father God. We thank you uh, that you've called us, that you've chosen us, Father, that you've you've placed us high upon a rock, Lord God, that you've put a robe on our back and a crown on our head, and that you weren't ashamed to call us sons and daughters the Most High. So help us to just... Take the most advantage we can of this time we have together, studying your word. Holy Spirit, enlighten our eyes, open our ears, help us to see what you would have for us in your word today, Father. We love you and we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, the church said, amen, amen. Amen. So when we think of the word holy, this this is me putting my thoughts down, is let's pretend we're not Christians, right? So the word holy is in our vernacular, right? It's in our our language. And I think when I hear people use the word holy, one is used kind of as an insult. Jerry thinks he's holier than thou. Has anyone ever heard the expression holier than thou? And that's not a good thing, right? If somebody says, oh, it's so and so holier than thou. You know, a long time ago there used to be this phrase called the holy rollers, right? And they were kind of, you know, maybe a little bit too aggressive with Jesus. I think it's kind of a cool name, but it's anyways, it's (laughs) not. Yeah, I guess you don't want to call yourself Right? So holy kind of has this bad connotation. And then we also use the word holy in the world is to go before um, um, some kind of exclamation, right? So holy cow, I say that. My brother, God bless him, always says holy buckets. Does anyone say holy buckets still? He's done kind of it, but that's like his phrase, holy buckets, right? And if you're in the Marine Corps, holy is also followed by a different 4 letter word, right? And you know that, I won't, we won't talk about it. But you see how holy here, it's... It's just not used correctly, right? I can't even tell you why. What is a holy cow? like? Why? I don't know the etymology of that. I don't know how it got here. But it's like, it is part of our, our life, right? So that's it. So now we become Christians, and you can't get away from the word holy. And, and Miss Chris uh, purposely chose the songs, right? So we're singing the song, Holy, there is no, like you. I do say holy, holy, holy. Revelation song right holy like all these sentences read the Bible, the angels say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. He was, and is, and is to come. You have all these great expressions. You stop It's like, "Well, oh, what does holy mean? Why do we sing this? And R.C. Sproul, he, he says this. He says, typically, he thinks that most Christians think of righteousness, righteousness, and ethical purity when they hear the term holy. And I think that's true, too. If, we, if, if I asked you what holy means, I won't gauge the room here, but most of us probably think is right acting. Is that, is that what you mostly think about? If I said, hey, you should act holy, you think I should probably act right? And he's not sinning, is that fair? Is that, yeah? yeah. Okay. You can nod. I do like verbal feedback, even if it's just rolling your eyes at me, then at least I, <laughs> I know I'm communicating something. Uh, yeah, is that's what we think about. We think of moral purity. That'd probably be a better word. I think the scripture does show a relationship between holiness and purity, but it leaves the definition wanting. And 1 Peter makes this uh, uh, connection. First Peter 1 Peter 1:14 through 14-16. He says, as obedient children, do, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. So it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. So we see the connection there between holiness and conduct. And that's, that's correct. The problem is, is this word kadosh is so much deeper and means so much more. And what I want to do is read uh, the rest of this R.C. Sproul quote. He says, Nevertheless, holiness in scripture, while associated with moral uprightness, is not chiefly about doing the right things. Rather, to be holy is, first and foremost, to be set apart from what is common. It is to be different or unique in comparison to this world. Okay, so if you're taking notes or you just want to hammer in on the definition, here's my paraphrase definition of um, biblical, the biblical definition of holiness is. It's set apart, is unique. And we, we've had on there, righteous. There is righteousness because God is righteous. Amen? But the biggest part you want to be is that it's unique and it is set apart. Now, the scripture is very clear that God is holy. And I'll just give you a couple scriptures here. Isaiah 6.3 is one of the famous ones. Isaiah is, uh, you kind of feel for this guy. We're going to read his story here in a minute. But uh, for this verse I'm going to read you is he's actually caught up. He's in heaven and he's seeing the Lord, Right. And he notices that the angels are flying around and they're crying out, holy, holy, holy. Kadosh, kadosh, kadosh!" is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And it's not on the screen, but Revelation 4:8 says the same thing. So we're at the end of time now and there's these four living beings. And it says each of them with their six wings and full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to stop saying, holy, 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 as the Lord God Almighty was and is and is come. So these beings in the presence of the Almighty God, they're forced, I mean, God isn't turning right to the back, but like just being in his presence, holy, holy, that's, that's what they say. God, you are utterly unique, you are utterly perfect. There's no one like you. That's, that's why that, those words, that's not like, there is no one like you. Chris also did that by intention, right? There's no one like you. There's none beside you. Our Heavenly Father is utterly unique. Look at Leviticus 20, 26. You shall be holy to me, for I, the Lord, am holy, and have separated you from the people, that so you should be mine. Here in context, he's speaking to his people. He says, because I'm holy, you need to be holy. He said, because I'm utterly unique and separate. Remember, God removed Israel. Israel is utterly unique and separate from all the other nations of this world. Amen? And so, again, the purpose of our conversation here is to learn to think about what this word holy means the Lord is holy and so now what makes him unique and again you could probably add to this list but there's a few things that I think of and I think the scripture points to the number one attribute of God that is unique is that he's the creator right? when he says the whole earth is full of his glory the bible says the earth is a handiwork right? he is the creator God Unique to God amongst every other created thing, the angels included, us, is that He alone can create. He alone speaks and it is done. Amen? He alone declares the end from the beginning. Amen? He alone was there in the beginning. Amen? He alone, by His will alone, that we exist and move and breathe and have our being, the scripture says. He alone is all knowing and all powerful. Amen? He alone is love. He is the very essence. He is love. Amen? As much as we are to put on love, as much as we are to, to show that He is actually love. He's perfect. He alone, he alone is just. Amen? He's unique in all His creation, even amongst all the heavenly hosts. So when we think about what is God's holiness, if you ask me, put me on the stand, I would say He's holiness. He's the creation. And Romans actually ties that together. In Romans, it says that God, you know, this is going to be a very loose paraphrase. You can go back and read it in Romans 1. But it says that God turns people over to their delusion because they did not acknowledge Him as Creator. Amen? There's just something about acknowledging God as the Creator. It's very, very fundamental to a relationship with Him. Hebrews even tells us those that come to God must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder. Diligent searching, Amen. In fact, of just acknowledging that there's a God, Amen. Like this starts this process of knowing Him. But He is Creator. He's all powerful. He's just absolutely unique. And so, when we today, we'll kind of split holiness into. Let's do this. Let's do the holiness of God, and let's talk about what does it mean for us to be holy, right? Because He is so unique. When He says, "Be holy as I am holy," boy, that's just an impossible task, right? And I think the point of that scripture was not to make it impossible. Some people preach at it like that, where it's like, hey, you get the wrong here be perfect, design perfect. Like, I think that's what the NIV says, if you agree with that translation. It's like, man, that's impossible. How do you know, no matter how sanctified we are, how full of the spirit we are, we're still going to miss it. And then we all agree with that, right? We will never arrive this side of the grave. I'm fully convinced of that. Now, we should be getting better every single day, right? every day, and then we're, we're being sanctified, right? Hopefully the same sins that tripped you up as a 20-year-old aren't tripping you up as a 50-year-old, right? No. We should be moving down this path, but we're never going to get there on this side. Amen? Exodus 15:11 asks, Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, majestic in holiness, awesome in glorious deeds, doing wonders? 1 Samuel 2, 2 declares, There is none holy like the Lord, for there is none besides you, and there is no rock like our God. Amen? So the first thing thing we have to do is get into our head, is that God is holy, right? And he's not just morally pure, because he is. But he's holy, because he is utterly, amen? He's utterly awesome and worthy of praise. So now we start to see that holiness like a diamond is, these are attributes, but these attributes aren't just attributes for the sake of attributes, right? They actually cause a reaction in us. Right? And we, we're going to talk about Isaiah here in a minute. But when people get in the presence of this holiness, is God expects certain things. A, we're going to feel the need to act a certain way, and then he also expects us to act a certain way. Amen? Holiness requires reverence. And we're going to see what this looks like. So in Exodus chapter 3, one of the more famous stories in the Bible that even non-Christians and, and non-Jews know about is Moses in the burning bush. Amen? And this is the first time the word holiness pops up in your Bible. It's referenced in Genesis, right? Like the seven days of creation, which day would God consider holy? Said, yes, the seventh. Why is the seventh the day holy? He said, yes, right? So he has all this creation. On the seventh day, he said, this day is holy, right? Does that mean that day is righteous? No, it just means it's different than all the other days. Because for six days we work, and on the seventh day we what? Rest. Amen. So it's alluded to in page one of your Bible, the holiness of God, this idea of something being set apart. But now we have a story where God is dealing with a man named Moses. Now God has already dealt with people. He's worked through Adam and Eve. God shows up. He speaks with Cain. Who's the big guy in Genesis that we talk about listening to Cain? Genesis. The father of the faith. Abraham, right? So God is, he talks and hangs out with Abraham, right? So God is already on the scene. But now God needs to rescue his people that have gone into captivity. And he's going to use this vessel whose name is Moses. And the the story picks up. Now Moses was keeping the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro. Man, there was Jethro's all the way back there. Thousands of years ago, Jethro was still there. That's really cool. That's a cool name. The priest of Midian. And he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And he looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned." And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called out to him from the bush, Moses, Moses! And he said, Here I am. And he said, Don't come near. Take the sandals off your feet, for the place which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Now, this is a weird story, right? Does anyone else not think, have you ever just read Bible stories and just thought about it and said, okay, this, this is a weird story. We've got to be fair here, right? Imagine you're watching your flocks out in the woods, and you see a dry, now, the Hebrew word for, for bush here is like a small tree, there's no... Tree, right? So you got this flaming small tree on fire, right? And if you saw that it wasn't being consumed, right? Here in San Diego, like Camp Pendleton, they fire off a few rounds, right? It always burns down San Diego County. And he's out in the desert too, he's in the wilderness. You see a tree on fire, and everything else is not catching on fire, right? How many other, we would go check it out, right? If a tree was on fire in your yard, and it was just sitting there burning and nothing was happening. And I like how the English doesn't such a poor justice, like, I will go see why this tree is burning. <laughs> it's like, so let's go look at this tree. So you know, and then the fact is that God is sitting here watching us and he's getting closer and closer and God's just like, stop! Stop! Right? Like, don't come any closer. Take your shoes off. And anyone else like this is getting wild, right? He's outside and God says, whoa, whoa stop. And before you come any closer you need to take your shoes off. Okay, and think this Right, right. You think it's like don't touch it, you're gonna burn yourself, right? Don't look at me. No one can look at God live, right? There's only things we can think about that God would warn him of, but God immediately says, "Here's what you need to do, my man. You need to take your shoes off." Right? So what well, I could get into all the different theories people have, but I'll tell you what what I think most scholars agree that it means here is the idea is just you know, God does not want this like ritual impurity in His presence, right? We're gonna talk about that. But he's a shepherd, so what do what do shepherds have on their feet? Stuff. 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 There you (laughs) go. there's kids. Yes. Exactly. They have stuff. They walk through mud, dirt, feces, right? God says stop. This is holy ground. So we're learning now the word holy can be ascribed to things, right? And where God is, the area around Him now becomes (coughs) holy. Yeah, that's right. Right. And. And you can track with this, right? Because eventually someone's going to build up a temple, and what's inside the temple? What's that room called where God hangs out? The Holy of Holies, right? It doesn't get much more set apart than this, the Holy of Holies. So places now, what we would call sacred places, sacred spaces, where God is, is holy. And you can't just waltz into holy places. Right? Unprepared. Right? And this is just a great Uh, analogy I heard someone use once, but regardless of what you think about the president, past, present, or future, if we went to go meet the president, how would we dress? Yeah, I would, we would all put on men, men. You'd put on your service dress, right? Or if you're civilian, you'd put on a suit, tie, right? Most of us would get a haircut. You have hair, right? You shave. And again, it doesn't matter what you think about the politics. You're meeting the president, right? Because that office, the person in that office, the man in that office, we could use the biblical definition of holy. Definitely not morally righteous, but it's very unique. There's one like him in all the U.S., right? That's that one position. Amen? You see what's happening here. We don't just walk into the Oval Office, you know, in your shorts, your flip-flops, body odor, right? It's like, man, let me clean up first. It's such a poor analogy because God is so much greater than the President. But you get the idea that we don't just walk into God's presence without doing something. Yeah. Okay, hopefully see you're seeing the, the, the picture here. So this is where the idea, and I don't want to get too much into it, is in the Old Testament is they, they call them uh, ritual purity. And these things are different than um, ethical purity, right? Where if a man takes another man's wife, right, he's committed sin, he's impure, but that's his own making, right? But we have these things. Uh, uh, things that aren't sin that people do that keep us from the presence of God, the physical presence of God, right? So, one of the most famous ones, and people arguing against the Bible like Jesus, is uh, menstrual cycles. Have you heard this where, like, hey, if a woman has an issue of blood, she cannot, she's called, she's impure, the Bible says, right? Does anyone pray for Have you heard Have you heard people use that to say, hey, God hates more? You know, these kind of things. The women aren't allowed. Well, listen, the Bible never says that's a sin. It just says you're unclean. It says the same thing. It says if you touch a dead body, you're unclean. You've got to wait seven days. Right? If you touch reproductive fluids, guess what? Unclean. Right? All these things are not sin. Are dead bodies sin? No. Are reproductive fluids sin? Is blood sin? No. But it keeps us, it kept the Israelites out of God's presence. Right? Because these things have to be cleansed. Because we don't bring that into God's presence. Amen? Now, he knows these things happen. That's why he sets up the rules. He goes, look, you don't know me, and I don't know. Actually, he does know us, right? He says, let me tell you how you get to know me. Because remember, he's, he's the creator of God. These things sound really weird to us. If I said, hey, if you've touched a dead body, don't come to my house for seven days, right? It's like, man, what's that guy's problem? I my hands, right? But A, this is thousands of years ago. And B, I am not the creator of God. He sets the rules, right? And just like Moses seeing the burning, the burning bush, stop, stop, stop! Right? He doesn't know any better. Don't come closer, take your shoes off. The ground is full. Right? This is a sacred space. Amen? That's awesome. And it's just yes. like you, know, you think about us as human beings, okay? Just think about it that. Like, if you were working out in the field and you came to my house, I would ask you to take your shoes off too. Right? Okay. Hey, you're gonna hop into my bed, and take your shoes off. Right? We all have rules for these things. So we, how we like to be approached. I know some people don't like to be touched or hugged. Does anyone know anyone like that? And what do you do? Do you respect it? Do you dog them? You don't like to be hugged? I patted you on the back. Oh, you don't like to be hugged, brother. I was touching you all, rubbing your back almost this morning. Sorry about that. Good to know. I'll stop touching. you. Yeah, we all have these things, right? And then once you know that, is we we have enough respect for that person to honor these things. Amen. Amen. That's just being a good human being. And then people use that as like, well, man, God sure is weird about these things. It's like, are you kidding me? The most holy, the most awesome, the most powerful being that created all the heavens and the earth says, hey, you know what? If you touch a dead body, wait seven days and cleanse yourself. Oh man, what a weirdo, right? You get it. what's happening here? Is this weird standard? But God does have standards. And this is what I want you to think about God's holiness. Is because we're going to start bringing Jesus into this picture here. But he is holy. Amen. And the takeaway is, is when you approach God, we should really think about it. Amen? Amen. And I know there's scriptures that God is our friend. And we, we sing songs about it. But he's not a buddy like you and I are buddies we are to watch him all He's still holy. Amen. He's still the creator of God. Amen? And he, calls, he still wants to have fellowship with us. Now let's look at this, this weird story in Isaiah 6. I, I kind of alluded to this. Is the story of a man who finds himself in God's presence. This man's name is Isaiah. Might be I can it, might not? Be. <laughs> <laughs> Isaiah's last name. Okay. Says okay. so in the year King Isaiah died, he said, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne. I looked and the train of his robe filled the temple. And above him stood the seraphim. Each had six wings: with two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, with two he flew. And one called to another and said, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory." And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voices of him who called. And the house was filled with smoke. And I. Said, Woe is me, for I'm lost. King James is better here. It says, for I am a, for I'm a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For uh, my eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. pause right there. Go, King you can go back for So he's having this vision. He, he sees God on the throne, right? So let's talk about this in plain English. Man, this is awesome. There's these beings, and they're crying out. And the, the, the train, you know, his robe is filling the temple all of a sudden he's like, I'm a man of unclean lips. And not only am I full of sin, my people are sinful, right? He's just aware that anyone around him that had sin on him, right? You know, we imagine, like, boy, if I got in God's presence, be, I'd be aware of my sin. But can you imagine that something so pure, you start acknowledging the sins of all the people that you are with, right? And I don't think it's just because he's a prophet. He's like, man, I'm, I've been in love. Woe is me, I'm undone. Like, this is not good. A lot of us, how many people would normally say it would be awesome to see God? How many would like to see God? Like, just see him. I'm not saying see Jesus. Scratch that off your head. We're not talking about him yet. I would like to go to the, I would like to see what Isaiah saw. And I would say the same thing. That'd be going to get a glimpse of this. Here's the man who saw it, and he said, I'm dead. I'm undone. This is, this is not good. Right? I'm going to die here. And what happens in the rest of the story, in verse 6, that one of the angels comes. Your next slide, please, sir. It says, "And one of the seraphim flew to me, having his hand a scan burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar." Again, one good thing, but he takes this hot coal and he places it on Isaiah's lips. He purifies it, right? And he does this thing here. So we see here God purifying Isaiah to be able to stand in the presence of God. So I think this story it, it tells us something here. Is that I think, in the Old Testament, I think this is very clear, is that things like the temple, a thing like purity laws, it's not because God is a wild man, and, he, and he's a, a sight he Is It protects us. Right? Because when we get in his presence, everything is exposed. Everything. Right? Everything you've done, everything you've thought, even physical things, the fluids on your hands, the dirt on my feet, I think everything becomes a pain point perfect purity. Amen? And so these rules of, of ritual purity, these things of how you enter his presence, it's not because God is some crazy dictator. It's because he's so pure, so good. We will die. Amen? When well, if we just just think of all the stories of people that, that we got. So Moses on the mountaintop, top, the people are at the base of the mountain. What do they hear? Like thunder. Earthquakes, right? God is on the scene. There's smoke and there's fire. And they go and they hide. The revelation that God speaks and they go and the Bible says that they bury themselves in the cliffs of the mountains. and They hide their face from him, from the wrath of the Lamb and him who sits on the throne. Amen? It's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of God. Amen? This idea that, hey, I'm just going to walk in there I'm going to tell God what's up. No, you are not. Amen? Because the dirt under your fingernails will cry out against you. It's wild to think about. Now, if we fast forward to Jesus, these few stories that we've told is that let's ask the question, is Jesus God? Yes. The Bible says he is the express image of God. If you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. Amen? That Jesus is the will of the Father. Everything that Jesus did, he only lived to do the will of the Father. Everything the Father said to do, Jesus did these things. Amen? Now, the stories that we have of Jesus, the parables, his interactions with people, how many know there, the Bible says that actually if it wrote everything he did, there wouldn't be enough room to contain it all, right? So what we have are selected stories, a very curating example of Jesus' life. Now, if you're like me, I've got lots of questions, right? Like, what about this? Why this? Like, what happened here? Even weird stuff, like, did Jesus have a favorite food? Wouldn't that be great to know? It's like, man, love mangoes? I guarantee you in every Christian would there would be makers, right? And I think that's why he doesn't tell us what he likes, right? Because we'd all be stuck with Jesus' favorite food every Sunday for the rest of our lives, right? But they're just, I, I want to know these questions. You know, like, hey, what did Jesus' hair look like? Was he really a white European 20, 20, European 25-year-old male? Right? Like the picture in my house, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, he's not. All right, but anyways. So all these great, how tall was he? There you go, that's a great question. So we have these things. But the Bible's silent on it, so guess what? We won't know till later. But what it does expect from us is to pay attention to the stories that are there, because He gave us exactly what we need to know and why we need to know it. Amen. The Bibles are; it was given to us to be able to navigate this life, to be able to think critically, to learn about God, what pleases God, and all these things. And so, if we think of Jesus' ministry, Why do you think the woman with the issue of blood, why do you think that story was told? Was it just told because Jesus can heal women's issues? Right? No. No, yeah. yeah. You're picking up what I'm putting down here, right? Mm -hmm. Oh no, because in Leviticus, that if you had an issue of blood, any blood discharge outside of the Metrocycle, you are you're unclean. Right? And what happens is that if you I didn't read it for the time's sake. But if this woman has a discharge on her sheets, and then a man or anybody touches those sheets, guess what happens to that man? He's now impure. He's unclean, Right? This whole thing. And, and anyone knows these kind of issues are not clean issues. I'm not talking ritual. It's just, it's a part of life. They're messy issues. So here we have the Son of God. We have God Himself walking. And this woman has this issue. For how long did this woman have an issue? 20 years. So this wasn't even seven days like Leviticus said, hey, if this happens over seven days, can't approach. This woman's had an issue for 20 years. Now, do you think the Jews were loving on this woman? Why? She's, she's unclean. Can't touch her. She's had this thing for 20 years. You come into the woman's house, guess what? You're not going to the temple this weekend. All right? you got to do all this ritual cleansing. And do you get that? Do you see the shame that this woman had in carry? reaches out and she says, he I can just touch the head of this guy. Make me well. She touches him. What wow. happens? That feels She's like, Whoa, who touched me? You remember this story? Mm-hmm. Now, this is weird. It's because Jesus is being thronged by people. Right? He's in a crowd of people. It's not like there's two people, right? You know you know those guys that think they're finally tapping on the shoulders? And look. <laughs> it wasn't like that. Like everybody's grabbing Jesus. Everybody wants this. And this woman's crawling, and she grabs his garment. I just gotta touch him. And Jesus said, I felt power leave me. Right? He's like, Who touched him? And I think it's one of the craziest stories because like everybody's touched you, right? It's like the Beatles in 1964, right? Like John Lennon saying, Who touched me? As like 16 teenage girls like rip out his hair, right? Did I just mess up my hair? Anyways, good. Uh, right? And so, and the woman came over thy faith has made thee whole, world, right? Now, here's what the story is telling us to pick up, because it doesn't say It's normally, her pur- impurity would have passed on to him. This would have been a crisis for any other Pharisee, right? But Jesus' holiness actually flowed the other direction. Right? Amen. Because up until Jesus, sin kind of has always flowed whatever you touched, right? It just, it just flowed down the hill. Unclean, 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 unclean. Again, God didn't say it's a sin. It's just separating us from him. Now, Jesus, who is the will of God, who is God, shows up, and then it's like, it flows backwards. His purity, his holiness, his goodness goes that way. Amen? Amen. And this woman was healed and made clean. Okay? Now we have other stories. What about, why was leprosy such a okay. Same thing. These guys are really unclean. Not all so unclean that... You can't have them touch you because I mean it's gonna ruin the rest of your life, right? So you live in colonies. they had to live outside of the city. Right? And so when Jesus comes across lepers like this is the bad news, right? No. He says here, faith is made made you whole. He cleanses them. He uses that word cleanse. And that's why I said go show yourself to the priest. Right? Because they're not only physically healed, but they're now cleansed to be able to go into the temple. If you haven't seen that show the chosen is so. I mean, it just moves you to tears to watch that. To watch a guy with leprosy approaching Jesus, right? I think it's done very well. But that's why these stories are here. It's not only to show God's awesome power. It's not only to give us an example. Is there's something deep going on here in the, in the psyche of the Jews? Is that all these things that their whole life have been unclear, unclear, and we can't approach God? You know, there's all these walls around God. They are all broken down in Jesus. Amen. And that's why we don't have, that's why Christians don't have to do these laws. That God has come in the flesh, right? And he's He's lived among yes. us. He's walked through the sheepdog, amen? Has Jesus touched a dead body? Yeah, he became a dead body. <laughs> Even crazier, he is a dead body, right? And he was raised. All these things that kept people out of God's presence, Jesus now has done it. So, the question we ask is, what does it mean for us to be? Now, I want to put on, on the front end of this is that I would exclude works, works that we earn God's favor by doing good things. Amen. We know that we can't earn our salvation, right? I hope you know this. Mm-hmm. The Bible is very clear that salvation is a, is by grace through faith. It's a free gift. The Bible says, right? Anyone who would call upon Jesus, right? That, that's salvation. So this idea that when we start talking about right living is if you've repented and believed in Jesus, the Bible says you're saved, right? Now there's this process we go through it's called sanctification, which is another fun word. But it's this idea of looking more like Jesus, right? It's learning how to stop sinning. It's learning to start shedding these things, right? Like, hey, I shouldn't do this anymore. This is not how a Christian should live, right? But if we think of Israel as a holy nation, right, and why was Israel a holy nation? Well, yeah, that's right. It wasn't because they were righteous. I mean, God was angry at their sin all the time. But he still called them a holy nation. So Israel is holy is because they are separate from all the other nations. Genesis 10 and 11, right? The table of nations. God dividing speeches of the Tower of Babel, all this kind of fun stuff. And they are calling Abraham, making a nation. And the Bible says that he has also called us out of the world. He has separated us from everything else, amen. Mm-hmm. So, for us to be holy, one I would say is stop looking like the world, amen. amen. Does your Christianity look like the world? We've talked a lot about that. I'm not going to go into what the world is. Uh, if you don't know, like I said, if this you're you're a your new believer, I'd love to talk to you about it, right? But you've heard us preach on this. Is it's just how everybody else does. And that's why God was angry with Israel, because they just wanted to be like everybody else. And the prime example was, God was their king. Israel didn't need you. So he said, an I'm your king. And what did Israel want? You want a king like all the other nations. Come on, God. We're looking stupid out here at the ballpark. We don't have a king. We're saying our king's up in the sky. And God is just, you know, rubbing his head, right? Like, fine. And so, then Israel, in their ultimate wisdom, they picked the tallest and best looking guy, right? Which would have been a guy like me. Okay. It would have been Lee there in the back. tall all good looking. Uh, but that wasn't the right choice because God's like, no, you picked this guy based upon his looks. Right? And God can pick somebody else who did God pick? David. David. That was David, a stunner, was he a good looking guy? The Bible says he was a ruddy kid out there with the sheep, right? He was a young guy, right? Not the most handsome guy out there, but that's the guy out there. The guy after his own problems. The people wanted a strong, powerful looking king. Amen? So Israel is always making these bad decisions, but they did that, the Bible explicitly says they did that because they wanted to be like the other nations. God says, Well, they haven't rejected you, Saul. They rejected me. Right. God even tried to work with Saul. The great thing of grace. And so how many times do we as Christians we just try to do it like the world? Right? We want to have our you know, the expression have our cake and eat it too. Right? To me, I always think of like Christian celebrity, kinda of like that to me. Oh, the world has their celebrities, right? And we gotta have ours. And that, that's wildness to me because Christian celebrities fall faster than anybody else, right? Yes. To me, it's like the whole you let was prop somebody up, and then we love to cut them down, kind of thing. And who? Sh- the Bible says, whose name should we be making great? Jesus, right? But we like to make our own name great. Right? We like all these things. So, again, you can think of all your own examples of how this works out. But stop trying to look like the world. Right? Stop thinking like. And at the front end we did talk about that, it is about right living, right? Holiness is tied to how you live. Alright, think about what you think about. Think about what the media you consume. Think about your actions, right? The Bible says if you sin, if you confess your faults, he will forgive you and cleanse you from all righteousness, right? Start living a life of repentance. That's why when we take communion, we always pause for a minute to stop and repent. Right? I'm not going to blow into God's presence. Like a man, right? Even though Jesus has made a way for me to do that, He's cleansed me. I don't have to do all these these rituals, these, these purity laws. I'm, I'm free from that. I'm free from the curse of the law. Galatians says, right? We live freer in more open access to heaven than anyone ever had before us, thanks to Jesus. Amen. But that still doesn't mean you just walk into God's presence like a person, right? I highly encourage you just pause to stop and repent. I think this is a good activity. Like, you know, like to me, if I'm going to go into prayer, the first thing I do is I repent. And I'm not saying the Bible says you have to do that. I'm telling you what Michael Young does, right? I think this is a great practice. If I do anything uh, God-related, you know, I do try to consider it. Hey, what am I doing, right? And uh, Pastor Tracy and I talk all the time about uh, preaching. When it's our, you know normally treat preaches more than I do. And I'm like, well, what if I'm preaching? I really think about my life the week ahead. I'm not saying, you know, I'm a wild man outside of this, but I'm more careful when I step up here. Amen? What am I doing? What am I thinking about? Should I watch that movie? Should I? And I'm not saying that. I, I live any different, but I'm just very much more sensitive about it. Right? Because I'm like, oh, I, you know, it's like a nightmare for me to up here and be struck dead. Right? I don't think God does that. I think he can do it. I think he has it. But again, does that make sense what I'm thinking about? I just want to show respect. His name, right? The gravity of his holiness. That If he's here in our midst, that as your elder, I've done my part. Amen? I think it goes a long way if we think about holiness like that. When God tells us to be holy. We know we can't be perfect. But we can show enough reverence for him. Honor for him. Right? How do we talk about him? Right? One of the things God says in the commandments is that you shall not take the Lord your God's name in vain. I think to break it to you, that doesn't mean don't cuss. I think it's like you are called by his name in vain. So if everybody knows you're a Christian, the more you sure don't act like it. Does anyone know Christians like that? Say, hey, I believe in God, I believe in the most hate filled, bigoted, terrible human being ever. It's like, you stop calling yourself a Christian because you're making us all of that. That's taking his name in vain. But right? well, we also know people that are Christians that bring honor and glory to his name. Right? They're long-suffering. They're loving. They're giving. They're generous. They're kind. Does anyone know Christians like that we are saying, man, this is the poster child for Christians. Friends, that's where we're at. Right? It's not taking his name in vain. And that's what holiness is to me. That's how we honor his holiness. So Christian means Christ-like ones. Little Christs. Not saviors, but we're trying to be like him. Not taking that name in vain because he's holy. Amen? Okay, so what's the takeaway? What's my challenge to you this week? This is going to be an easy devotional for you. So we don't want to just have vocab lessons like, oh, we learned what holy meant, right? apart, unique, pure, all these wonderful things. We have to put this in the... Application. So this one is really easy because I, I challenged you with this a couple months ago. But it's the Lord's Prayer. And if, let's put this on the screen. The opening line actually talks about this. It says, Jesus is teaching people to pray. So pray like this, then. Uh, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Stop there on the slide. Our Father in heaven, may your name be holy. That's the paraphrase. Right, do you ever think about that? Hallowed, holy. Amen? Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your name be shown the reverence and respect and honor that is due. The Israelites thought his name was holy. That's why they didn't even want to say it, right? That's why our Bible says, Lord, it's a battle, right? And Yahweh, right? we have all these, we have all these different words. Because they wanted to respect, They'd be holy, be holy. And it it's so wild to think about Jesus said, let me teach you how to pray. You know, the very first thing he could have said is, Lord, bless our bank accounts. <laughs> right? He could have said all, all sorts of things. But you know what the first thing on Jesus' mind is? Lord, may your name be kept holy. That's a big, big deal. It's a major, major topic. May you, well, Let's look at the rest of the prayer. May what? Actually, Miss Marcia, do you have this memorized? I don't want to put you on the spot. I know you were looking at it. I do um, both. The, okay. I, in my background, I have a tendency, the, the Yeah. The cat. You want to recite it? We can turn it on. You want to let it, let us hear it? I want to hear it. But I don't want to put you on the spot. You can tell me no. Okay. Okay. No. Turn the screen. No, you said no. <laughs> <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> what do we do about this? I did not expect this, Tracy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Pray like this: Our uh, Father, have an alibi done, and Your kingdom come, Your will be done. give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts and we also forgive and call our debtors and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom of the power and the glory. Amen? So this week, here's my challenge to you. I asked Marsha because when we gave out this challenge to pray the Lord's Prayer every day for 30 days, Miss Marcia was one of the people that did it and I'm very proud of you for doing that. I want you this week, if you would, as you have to pray this prayer I want you to meditate on it, especially on that first one. I want you to meditate on how can you keep his name holy? How is your life reflecting the holiness of God? Right? Are there any changes you could make to better keep his name holy in your life? Amen? And even if it's just stopping and acknowledging him as holy. Right? When you're in his presence, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Amen? Amen? If you do that for me, I think... Uh, your know, preaching is one thing, but to have this internal spiritual knowledge that God gives you. Ask God to give you a revelation. God, show me your holiness. Help me you understand your holiness. What does it mean for me to be holy? I've given you some ideas, but boy, this is such a deep topic, right? This is something hopefully you take and launch into. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Lord God,